Come on, come on, come on. Let's put it right there. Come on. Oh, good morning. Oh, the kids are just making their way out to uh, the kids' church. What a blessing for Mick Buckley to be compared to me. Eh? What, a, what a privilege. Um, I don't know what that says about me, though. Um, <laughs> it's all right, we're friends. We can, we can have those jokes between each other because we're friends. So we're on to week two of our Generous Life series. And if you weren't here last week, please do go and find it on the podcast. It's available through the iTunes store or it's available, it's free on there, or you can go through the church app as well. Because we'll introduce a series with generosity for dummies, highlighting the heart link between generosity, love and unity. And we launched the Generosity Challenge as four people who were sat in the wrong place uh, or should that be the right place, um, pulled envelopes containing £10 from under their seats. And they were challenged to use that to bless someone else over the course of this series. And we're going to hear about that on the final week. While four people got £10, um, we were all challenged to be intentionally generous. And I thought Will could have put a £10 under every seat if he was talking about generosity. Um, and they recorded it. But now we're all challenged to be generous in our own way and examine whether we had stingy hearts or generous hearts. And in preparing this morning, I, I came across a story about generosity gone wrong. There was a very wealthy man and he was out driving his sports car with his wife. And her birthday was coming up and he said to her, what would you like for a present, dear? What can I get you? So we're out driving, she says, well, I'd love something that went from naught to 200 in less than 10 seconds. So the husband duly took note. On her birthday, the wife was less than impressed to open a set of bathroom scales. <laughs> I also thought, though, how, how have I been generous this week? Well, I put the neighbours bin out for them on, on Monday. I, I took those out. Uh, and I'll put them back away again afterwards. Uh, I've adopted a more generous driving style as well. No, come on, I'll let you out. No, no, after you. It's been great. I've been late for everything, but it's been great. No, that's, that's a joke. But turn with me to Matthew 18, and we're going to go from uh, verse 21 to 35. And today's title is The Generosity of Forgiveness. This is the parable of the unmerciful servant. If you haven't got your Bibles, it's on the screen behind me. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or in some versions it says 70 times seven. Therefore the kingdom of God, of heaven, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that they had be sold to repay the debt. At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. 
But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the other man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. So this morning, as you said, you're looking at the generosity of forgiveness. And we know, don't we, that Jesus used stories or parables to communicate important lessons to the people around him. Some of them, some of the parables, you don't grasp immediately. It takes a little bit of explanation. Maybe the the parable of the sower. Maybe you need a little bit of explanation as to fully grasp that. But I think the purpose of this story is pretty obvious from the outset, isn't it? Some scholars say the, the story is so direct because Jesus was talking to his immediate disciples, those closest to him. He'd been teaching, if you read before in the chapter, about how to hold accountable other Christians in love. And then Peter asked this question, what's the minimum number of times that I must forgive? Now apparently, back in that time, the rabbis taught that forgiving someone three times was sufficient. So when Peter says seven times two plus one, yeah, three times two plus one, seven he probably thought he was being quite generous but jesus replies not seven times but 77 or as we said other versions say 70 times seven 490 if you're quick jesus isn't is not attempting to quantify forgiveness but he's saying actually it's immeasurable you can't keep track of 490 times although my daughter did try she came home from school this week with a chart. I won't say who the chart's behaviour was detailed in, but if this other child was good, she got a star. If she was wrong, she got a line. And the, the chart came home with more lines than stars at the end of the day. So we talked her through that. And I want to focus this morning on three, three aspects of the story about picking up the generosity of forgiveness. The first point is that we need to grasp and understand the power and the generosity of God's grace in our lives. Let's never lose sight of how much we've been forgiven. You know, sometimes if you've been a Christian for a long time, it maybe like slips a bit and you think, maybe I've got it sorted. I'll go to church. I'll live a good life. Don't lose sight of what we've been forgiven from what we're continually forgiven from. Because you can be a Christian from the day you were born till the day you die, and you'll never get it all right. I don't think you can actually be a Christian from the day you were born to the day you die. But you know what I mean. Look at the debt, the amount of debt the merciful servant had had cancelled. 10,000 bags of gold. In some other versions it says talents. And the talent was the highest unit of currency that they had. It equaled about 6,000 denarii. Denarii was one day's wage. So 10,000 uh, 10, talents was about 16 and a half years' wages. Ten, sorry, yeah, so 6,000 denarii, sorry, was 16 and a half years' wages. 10,000 talents was 165,000 years of work. Now, I know the pension age is going up, but none of us face that, do we? 
It was a huge amount of money, wasn't it? Jesus chose a, a ridiculous amount of money that was owed. Some say it was possibly greater than them, all the money that was in Israel at the time. Even if the person lived to be as old as Methuselah and worked every day, he wouldn't have been able to pay it back. And that's the point, that it's so large that it's absolutely unpayable. No way could the servant have cleared the debt in his own strength. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In our case, there's no way that we can pay the debt, the sin debt that we have. It's too big, it's too great. You know what? One sin is too much for heaven. There's a song, an old song that says, He paid the debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, all day long, for Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. Jesus cancelled our debt. In Romans 5.19, it says, For as by one, by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. And 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Let's never forget the debt that has been paid for us, the what we've been forgiven of. We serve a God who's completely without sin. So every one of our sins comes into sharp focus when we compare to his holiness. It's why King David, after he'd been caught in adultery and committing murder, could say to God, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. The second thing to look at is actually we hurt God more than people hurt us. Even though David recognized he had hurt others, that hurt piled into insignificance compared to how he hurt God. Now there are some commentators who say we can't hurt God. To say that we can, the argument is that it suggests that we are somehow equal to him. Well, if you go to Genesis 6 verse 6, in the story of Noah, we read that God looked at the earth and he was sorry that he made the human race in the first place and it broke his heart. So can we hurt God? I think we can. See, the problem though, the unforgiving servant, is that all he could see was the other person's sin, the other servant's sin. He'd been forgiven a huge amount, a vast figure, but all he could see was the small figure in comparison that he was owed. Now, I don't want to trivialize what was owed, by the owed to the unmerciful servant. He was owed about 100 silver coins, 100 denarii, about three months, just over three months' wages. Nobody's going to work for three months for nothing, are they? But you know what? Compared to what he'd been forgiven, it's just loose change, isn't it? It's only pennies, really, compared to what he'd been forgiven. And when we talk about forgiveness today, yeah, we forgive those trivial things that when someone maybe cuts in front of us at the queue, when somebody pulls into the parking space you've been trying to reverse into. We, talk, we forgive that back to you. We're talking about so much more as well. Maybe somebody has slurred your character. Maybe someone's cheated on you. Maybe someone's betrayed you. Maybe somebody has taken you to the cleaners financially. We hurt each other. We can hurt each other badly. But compared to how we sometimes hurt God, they're virtually nothing. 
C.S. Lewis once said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And sometimes people may wonder, actually, why couldn't God pronounce forgiveness on us instead of having Jesus die? Why couldn't God have said, actually, I forgive you all. Why did Jesus have to die? Well, it doesn't work like that because for every offence, someone has to pay. Because forgiveness takes away what we deserve. But someone has to pay. In the story that Jesus told, the king cancelled the debt of the unmerciful servant. He took it all away. And for us, Jesus has paid that debt, hasn't he? He's taken away what we can't pay. Max Ocado says, you will never forgive anyone more than God has already forgiven you. And thirdly, the point is, you have to let it go. You have to let it go. Put your hands up if you've ever been hurt in some way. Some way or another. I'm guessing there's probably people who are hurting here today. Can we forgive? Can we let go? Can we move forward? Because forgiveness is a choice, isn't it? You don't have to forgive. But you know what? When you don't, you place yourself under the bondage of the person who's hurt you. It can affect how closely you relate relate to God, affect your closeness to God. It's not about setting yourself up for future sadness or future victimization, but it's about letting go of your enemy's sins. There's a story uh, in the Miracle on the River Kwai. Scottish soldiers, Scottish soldiers, easy to say, forced by their Japanese captors to labour on the jungle railroad. They degenerated into barbarous behaviour. Then one afternoon something happened. A shovel was missing. The officer in charge became enraged, demanded that the missing shovel was produced or else. When nobody came forward, the officer pulled out his gun and threatened to kill them all on the spot. And they could tell he meant it. Then finally one man stepped forward. The officer put his gun away, picked up the shovel and beat the man with that. When it was over, the rest of them picked up the corpse and carried it to the second tool check where it was found there was no shovel missing. They'd miscounted at the first one. There was no shovel gone. The word went round the whole camp. An innocent man had been willing to die to save the others. And the effect that it had was that the men began to treat each other like brothers. When they came to an end, when the alloys swept in, the survivors, skeletal in their features, lined up in front of their captors and didn't attack them. Insisted, no more hatred, no more killing. What we need now is forgiveness because sacrificial love has transforming power. That's one example, but it's the truth. We, can hurt, we hurt people and people hurt us. And that hurt, you know, can sometimes be really deep and severe. But you know what? If we don't forgive, that hurt only gets greater and greater. Did you know that unforgiveness can manifest itself physically? That inner restlessness that you have, 
can develop high blood pressure, migraines, headaches, ulcers, depression, all been put down to unforgiveness. I'm not saying if you've got those issues that you're carrying unforgiveness, let me be clear on that. But it does have a real impact. When the unforgiving servant confronts his debtor, he's met by a, a, a plea for mercy and request for time to pay. He'd been set free from his debt. He was going to lose everything. But he was wiped out. He now refuses to forgive the debt that's in front of him. The man's even offering to repay it. Give me more time and I'll repay it. He's not saying cancel it. He's saying I'll repay it. And it's wiped out. His heart's hardened, isn't it? He hasn't got that forgiveness. He hasn't grasped it. Now, most of you, if you've been at the church for a while, will know that I work for the probation service. And sadly, I've come across people who are in the mess that they're in because of unforgiveness. I used to volunteer with the chaplaincy at Brinsford. And I was asked to visit a guy who, well, he'd harmed children. As we talked, and he shared about his own childhood, he he kept going back to how he could not forgive his father for what he'd done to him. You could see the hurt, the unforgiveness in his eyes. And more than that, though, he'd become the very thing that he hated about his father because he hadn't forgiven and that had grasped him and taken hold of his life. Another conversation with someone who, again, hated the dad. The dad had been abusive and violent due to alcohol. But what he hated more, that he himself was now an alcoholic. And again, he thought, that I've just become the, my dad, the person that I hate. All because of unforgiveness. Now, the National Probation Service is part of the Ministry of Justice. And I want to be clear that justice and forgiveness are completely different things. Justice serves to ensure that people get what they deserve. On both sides of the law, it seeks to make amends for the victim and seeks to impose punishment on the offender. You may have seen Wayne Rooney on the front of the papers this week. Yeah, doing his community service, his unpaid work, after being convicted of drink driving. The magistrate's court decided in order for justice to be met, Mr. Rooney had to complete a period of unpaid work. Now, in his case, there was no direct victim, was there? He didn't crash a car or he didn't hit anybody. There was no individual to forgive him, although I think the jury's still out about whether his wife's forgiving him, seeing as he's driving another woman's car. But in terms of the criminal offence, at least, who is there to forgive him? Now, I'm sure he'll complete his punishment. I'm sure he'll do his hours that he's been told to. And then he'll get another chance, won't he, to get his license back. Once he's served his ban, he can get that back. But that's not the same as forgiveness. That's justice. He served his punishment and justice is seen to be done. That's not forgiveness. Who's glad that God offers us forgiveness before he applies justice? Yeah. The generosity of the grace through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who cancelled our sins, our debts. Just back to work, I've worked with people who've committed the most horrendous crimes you, you hear about. And people often say, how can you work with them w- with what they've done? Well, for starters, I'm not in a position where I have to forgive them. My job is to manage part of their sentence when they're out of prison. And help to try and see them at their best. 
pick out what's good in them, what can be built on. And actually, that's another part of the generous life. Giving other ben- others, others the benefit of the doubt and seeing them at their best. And just quickly on, on this. But I don't mean that we naively live uh, lives thinking that people can do no wrong. When I'm at work, you look for people's strengths, you give them opportunities to to grow and develop that. But you put restrictions in place to keep others safe. And that can be a a sense of tension sometimes in that the people I work with feel as though I'm not trusted. Well, you've been given an element of trust and you've got to stick with that. Because sadly, even when people are given a small amount of trust sometimes... They abuse it. And then it makes you reluctant the next time to give that element of trust to the next person. Do you see them at the best? Or actually, do you take hurt because the trust that you've given has been abused? Everyday life, think about it. People that you've tried to see at your best, who you've later found out have strung you along, sold you a line, it's hard then, isn't it, to continue seeing them at the best because we've been hurt. But the generous life says, forgive. Everyone, I think, is in favour of forgiveness. If we're in trouble, we'd want to be forgiven, wouldn't we? Yeah? C.S. Lewis wrote, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until there is something to forgive. And when we're in that situation, what do we do? What do we do when there is something that we have to forgive? Well, on the flip side, if we don't forgive, sometimes we might want to strike back and get revenge. Yeah, sort them out. Some people run away, won't they? If they rather than forgive, they'll run away. Run away from life, run away from relationships. Some will just become paralysed in that situation. They'll know that they've got to forgive, but they can't do it because how, how can you? Forgiveness, it can be hard. It can be a struggle, and sometimes we go out of our way to avoid it. But you know what? If we do, we just get stuck in the past. We get tied to those who have hurt us. And we get disconnected from the future that God has for us. See, forgiveness for Jesus... It's not a single event. It's a quality. It's a way of behaving. It's a way of living. It's a way of loving. It's a way of relating. A way of thinking and a way of seeing. And if we are to follow Christ, then that's the way that it needs to be for us as well. Not seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven times. The generosity and forgiveness that's been shown to us through the cross, we must show to others. Does that mean forgiving the drink driver who smashed my car or hurt me? Yeah. The cheating spouse? Yeah. The lying businessman? Yeah. The racist? Yeah. The abuser? Yeah. The bully? Yeah. The greedy corporation? Yeah. The people who attacked London Bridge? Yeah. And I know that can sound tough and I don't want to rush over this bit because the reality is that the memories, the images, the anger, the fear, the hurt, the injuries, the pain, they all kind of crisscross, don't they, with Jesus' teaching. But both are real and both are true. 
and we can find ourselves at that needing to come to that place of forgiveness or where we need to be forgiven or we forgive others every day. Look at back through history. If you saw, who do you think you are this week? It, it featured Ruby Wax and her family and their experience at the Nazis as Jews, with the Nazis as Jews. You look back at the, the Cambodia, Bosnia, Rwanda, racial discrimination, slavery, economic oppression, wars. All these hurts, they're actually, we're told that we need to forgive. If we look at our own lives, we might not have experienced anything on the scale of those, but we come across broken promises, hurt feelings, betrayals, harsh words, physical wounds, emotional wounds. I'm sure all of us could tell a story about when we've been hurt or victimized. And it all prompts us to question forgiveness. But as we said, forgiveness, the generosity of forgiveness, we've been forgiven of something that we couldn't repay ourselves. And forgiveness is the only way forward. It doesn't mean that we forget. It doesn't mean that we condone or approve what's been done. And let me be really clear here this morning. Forgiven isn't the acceptance or tolerance of wrong. And if you're in a situation where you or someone you know is at risk of harm and you need to do something about it, do it. Speak to someone today if you need to. Forgiving the person causing harm doesn't mean you have to stay tied to that situation. It doesn't mean that we ignore or excuse, excuse cruelty or injustice. If we forgive, we're released from them. If we forgive, then we can be released from those things. We might have to sort out practical issues, but we can be released from all the baggage that comes with it. We let go of those thoughts of revenge and we look to the future rather than the past. We try to see and love as God sees. Forgiveness, it's a way in which we align our lives with God. So if you're in the sort of situation that I would refer to just, note that the unmerciful servant had his pardon cancelled because he failed to pass it on. And similarly, the person causing harm to you evidently hasn't realized the pardon that they have been given or offered at least. God's forgiveness and human forgiveness are integrally related. And that's apparent in today's parable, isn't it? That as God forgives us, so we offer to give so are we to forgive others. The slave is excused pardon an extraordinary amount. There is no debt too large that God can't forgive. You may be sat there thinking, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the hurt that I've caused. God says, you're forgiven. There may be consequences to what you've done here on earth, but God forgives. You know what? This shouldn't be news to us today about God's forgiveness. It shouldn't be news. How often do we pray? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The words can trip a far tongue like a, a, a poem sometimes, can't they, if we're not careful? But actually, 
we may say them easily and with familiarity, but actually are they embedded in our lives? Do we live our lives with the generosity of forgiveness? Accept it and pass it on. There's a lot to forgive, isn't there? There's a lot of pain. Think about it, our world today, our nation, individuals. But you know what? There is a great need to forgive. But maybe more than as we forgive, the greater need is, or sorry, the, the benefit is to us. As we forgive others, the greater benefit is to us. As we forgive those who trespass against us, it begins to heal wounds. It may not change, it may have no impact at all on the person who hurt you. But it will have a difference to your life. Greater grace, more of God, more God-like having forgiven another. And you know what, as we forgive, space is created for new life. Because forgiveness is an act of hopefulness and resurrection. It can bring healing to the soul, bring healing to life. It takes us out of darkness into light. It disentangles us from the wrongs of another. And it says our future isn't going to be determined by the past. It's letting go of the thoughts, the hatred, the fear that fill us so that we can live and love again. That's the generosity of forgiveness. So, how do we begin to forgive? There's no easy road to it. Don't let anybody tell you, oh, just give it up to God, forgive and forget. Because that can be quite trite and it takes away the real hurt that people might be experiencing. God will take it away. But to just trot out a line like that perhaps doesn't do it justice. Forgiving can take time and take work. And you know what? We may forgive, but we may well never forget. That was a talking to the guy in the prison. He says, I, I can't forgive because I can't forget. And that's quite difficult to talk through. Actually, you will probably never forget what happened to you. But you've got to forgive. And I think that's only by the grace of God you can do that. Forgiveness is something that we need to practice, need to practice daily. Say, start with the small things maybe. Because we are the beneficiaries of such generosity of forgiveness that was granted through the death of Jesus. Where on the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them. Been referred to as a cry of infinite forgiveness. And we are to echo that daily in our lives, our family, workplaces, whoever we come across. Forgiveness begins with God. The slave who didn't forgive failed to understand that. It wasn't about him, it was about God. We pass on the forgiveness that's been given to us. And we choose to do it again and again. Sometimes though, it can be really difficult, can't it? Maybe the hurt's just occurred. Maybe it's really, really sore. Well, those days, as we learn, maybe want to, want to forgive. And if it's a really tough day, want to, want to, want to forgive. 
And all we can do those days is just trust on God and say, God, as you've given me, as you've forgiven me, help me to forgive others. Those times when it's hard, those times when I look at my life now and think, I'm here because of what they've done to me. Help me to forgive. Help me to forgive. The generosity of forgiveness. As we were planning this series, we, were, we talked about, well, how, how are you generous? And, and this one kind of jumped out at me, practically through the, the work that I do. And it's maybe not something that you expect to be covered on generosity. But you know what? God gave all for us that we could have freedom. Because this is what forgiveness does. It brings freedom. I'm just going to close with a short video. So we just bow our heads in prayer. As we've uh, looked at this this morning and the generosity of forgiveness, I'm mindful that there may be people here who've never accepted that generous offer that's been given. That there may be people who feel that they're beyond forgiveness. God reaches out and said, this is what's on offer. I offer you a place in the kingdom of heaven as my adopted son and daughter. All you have to do is accept it. And there may be people here who are hanging on to hurt, who have been hurt in some way and haven't forgiven or don't feel able to forgive 
I think we need to pray, give people the opportunity to respond to that this morning. If that's you, if, if you've not accepted that generous offer of forgiveness, or maybe there's something that you know that you need to forgive, and you haven't got the strength in yourself, can I invite you to come forward now and, and the team will, will pray for you? Because if you're holding on to something that needs to be forgiven, you're not going to fulfill what God's got for you. If there's something that you need to forgive, then come forward this morning. So, Father, we thank you for the generousness that you, of your offer of forgiveness that we just have to say, yes, we accept. We accept that what Jesus did for us through the cross and that all our wrong, everything that we've done can be taken away and we're made whole again, we're made new again. And, Lord, for, for anyone here who maybe has got to forgive but it's still too sore, Lord, just meet them this week where they are just prompt them lord to to see what you have in their in store for them should they forgive lord you would have nothing that would hinder us and as we receive your forgiveness we pass on to others amen